Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and it is Wednesday, August 4th, 2021, midweek, and the New York Giants yesterday in pads for the first time. Quite an eventful practice, and we're going to talk about yesterday's practice. Uh, we'll talk about some other things that happened yesterday, and uh, I have some thoughts about uh, the main storyline. So that's all coming up here on the Locked on Giants podcast. So let's start off with the main storyline. And of course, unfortunately, the main storyline was the ruckus that developed during the first padded practice. Now, couple things on this one. First off, head coach Joe Judge encourages spirited practices. And of course, you know, there's spirited and then there's that fine line that you cross and it becomes a little bit too spirited. And the giant players yesterday being in pads for the first time, very spirited, very excited, very intent to, you know, play football because look, it's kind of like, you know, they haven't played football really since the end of last year. Some of them, you know, the college kids that are in the rookies, they haven't played most of them since last November, if they played at all, that is, you know, with their seasons and whatnot. But the point is, is sometimes when you get a little overexcited, you can carry things a little too far. And that seemed to be what happened with the Giants in the practice. Um, I don't know the exact sequence of events because, you know, I only saw parts of it. But the bottom line is, is it, it escalated into a little bit of a ruckus. And I say ruckus as opposed to a fl full blown fight because there weren't punches thrown. Nobody ripped off anybody's helmet or swung at anybody's helmet. I mean, I've covered training camp now for several years, and I've seen some really wild fights, if you will, the, the most classic ones of all being anything involving Rich Seibert and uh, Keith Hamilton. Those were some of the most classic battles that you would see in training camp. But there wasn't really any punches thrown or, or anything, you know, any kicks or anything like that, that, you know, I could gauge. So that said, what I did not like about the whole incident, and what I'm sure head coach Joe Judge did not like about the whole incident, was that it became a pile on, you know, just you saw players pile on top of each other. And just, you know, trying to break guys up, it was kind of like, you know, scrambling for a loose football is the best way I could describe it. And at the bottom of the pile was quarterback Daniel Jones, the very last person probably that you want to see in the pile. So I don't know if Jones got pulled into the pile, if he decided to dive in in the spirit of things or whatnot. But here's the thing that I'm concerned about. Afterwards, you know, Daniel was asked about the, uh, you know, his involvement or how he got dragged into the bottom of the pile and whatnot. And actually, I'm going to play you the clip of what he said, and then I'm going to come back and just comment on on that. I'm, I'm part of the team, and, and I don't, uh, you know, part of the team, part of the offense, and we're competing, so uh, I don't see myself separated from that. Okay, here's my take on this. 
I admire that Daniel Jones, you know, wants to be a part of the team, that he wants to show people that he is tough, that he wants to show that he's fearless. I get all that. It's a macho thing. It's a it's a football thing. But the thing that bothers me about this whole, you know, affair, besides the fact that it happened, you have to be smart. And, you know, again, I don't know if Daniel was was dragged into it or it, it sounded like, you know, he, he ran over and, and just, you know, took part in it. I didn't see, you know, exactly what happened given where, you know, the whole thing happened. But the bottom line, what I'm getting at is, is you're the starting quarterback. You are the franchise quarterback. And yes, there's a degree of risk you're going to take in the game, but this unnecessary risk that Daniel Jones just seems to take, not just with jumping into a melee like he did today, but, you know, also you go back and you look at him with a, as a runner running with the ball and trying to get that extra yard as opposed to knowing when to say when that kind of, uh, I don't want to call it reckless because I don't know if reckless is the best word for it, but that kind of, um, that need to be the hero. I mean, you got to pick your spots. And I just, I don't know, something about Daniel Jones makes me a little bit nervous with the way he approaches the game. I, I, I get it. You know, he wants to be tough. I get it. Trust me, I get it. But you have to be smart. And if Daniel Jones really wants to be the hero for his teammates, be smart, win games. You know, I, Yes, try and make plays, but be smart about it. Learn to live to see the next day. And maybe I'm just nitpicking here. I probably am, but you just don't want to see that. And I'm sure, you know, head coach Joe Judge wasn't too happy seeing that as he wasn't happy seeing the entire thing. And I'm sure that it was communicated to Daniel, hey, you know, don't go looking for trouble that, you know, doesn't necessarily apply to you. And so I get it. It's a it's a tough balancing act for Daniel Jones, but guys got to be a little bit smarter with with stuff like that. Don't be so quick to jump into the melee because hey, I'm part of the team. I'm part of the offense. Um, there are other ways to to deal with that, and that melee was broken up almost as quickly as it began. So uh, there was really no reason to, to to put yourself at risk. I thought, you know, just from the outside looking in. So. One other clip I do want to play for you comes from Logan Ryan. You know, afterwards, the players had calmed down, obviously, and whatever took place or was said on the field, and I'm sure, you know, there was probably some some pleasantries being exchanged on the field. Uh, Logan Ryan was asked afterwards about whether an incident like this would splinter the locker room, and here's what he had to say. Be great, man. It's football, you know. It's a physical sport. If you're not, if you're not, you know, tough or chippy, you know, I don't know if you can play at this level. So it's football. Everything there is in between the lines, and we'll pay our, you know, pay our dues. But I mean, we're great. Uh, me, Evan, uh, we're locker buddies, you know. So we'll be fine. Whoever else was involved, you know, I think Daniel Jones might have jumped in there. I think everyone respects Daniel. So I mean, this stuff. I mean, you might write about it. I'm sure, but this is a this is a football team. Um, and practice gets physical and chippy, but everything is uh, is left in between the lines for sure. All right. Again, not a big deal. 
these these fights happen sometimes. These melees happen. I wouldn't have expected this to to splinter the locker room, but uh, you heard it there right from Logan Ryan, who is considered a team leader. So if you worry about the effects that the melee had on the team, worry no more because it didn't. All right, Giant fans, we have plenty more coming up here on the Locked on Giants podcast. But first, get all the latest news, odds, info, and sign-up bonuses for all your sporting needs by heading over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. When you open an account and use your special promo code Locked On, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Giant fans, you have Patricia Trainer here on the Locked On Giants podcast, recapping the latest from New York Giants training camp. And we've got to talk about Kenny Galladay and the potential injury that he might have suffered. Now, this one, uh, the Giants haven't commented officially as to what is going on with Kenny Galladay, but just to kind of recap what happened and maybe give you a little sense of uh, calmness, if you will. Kenny Galladay caught a pass in, I believe it was a seven-on-seven drill, took a a significant hit from linebacker Tate Crowder and dropped the pass. Now, from the angle the media had, it was kind of hard to discern whether, you know, Galladay dropped the ball because of Crowder stripping it or if something happened. But while... there were video clips of Galladay grabbing the back of his left hamstring there. Here's the thing. And the the one thing I can tell you that maybe will calm you down if you're a little concerned about Kenny Galladay and whether his injury is significant. If Kenny Galladay suffered any kind of major hamstring strain, and I'm not saying he did or didn't, because I don't know. I thought maybe he hurt his hand in the in the whole, you know, play with Tate Crowder. But if Kenny Galladay had hurt himself, would the Giants have put him at risk by having him walk halfway across the field into the building? My guess is they wouldn't. Considering what they have invested in him money-wise, they probably would have sent a card out for him had the hamstring been a major issue. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that he didn't tweak his hamstring. Nothing, as I record this, nothing has been confirmed or reported. This is just me thinking out loud here. So I wonder if maybe Galladay ended up hurting his hand or, you know, maybe something happened on the play with his hand because I was chatting with somebody and they said they saw Galladay flexing his hand and just kind of shaking it. So, It could have been, you know, a stinger. It could have been anything. So my point in telling you this is let's not jump to conclusions. Now, I'm sure by the time this podcast drops, there probably will be some kind of report on Galladay and what happened, but I'm choosing to be optimistic here. I, again, I don't think the Giants would have had the guy walk halfway across the field if he tweaked his hamstring. You just don't play around with your top receiver in that regard. So I'm going to be optimistic and and think that maybe worst case scenario was the hand and it wasn't really the hamstring, but we'll find out. We'll find out. And uh, whatever it is, I'm sure the Giants will play it safe with him. That's one thing Joe Judge is doing 
a little bit differently than he did last year. And that is making sure that before he puts a player out there on the field, especially right now in training camp, when these days kind of matter, but they don't matter, he's not rushing anybody out there quickly. Because, you know, what what's the point? You know, Galladay has played in the league before, kind of knows what he's doing, obviously. So why put anybody out there before they're ready to go? And that goes for anybody, by the way. Now, one other positive thing I want to share with you, and I should have mentioned this in the last segment when I was talking about the melee, uh, Joe Judge, when he had the players run goal line to goal line uh, wind sprints, as part of their punishment for the, you know, the whole ruckus thing. One of the guys who was out there leading the pack was Saquon Barkley. So that was kind of a, a positive thing to see Saquon, you know, running those sprints and not looking any worse for the wear. So that, that was definitely encouraging. And, you know, Joe Judge, you know, speaking of Saquon Barkley, the questions continue every day. It seems how close is he to being ready? When will they know he's ready? And Judge actually spoke about that, you know, because yesterday he, he was talking about how Barkley is continues to make progress. And finally, somebody today jumped in and, and just said, hey, Joe, what are you basing this progress on? Is it sight? Is it medical? Is it how, how it, Barkley is feeling? And I'm going to play you what Joe Judge said in response to that question. It's really tied more into the strength and medical in terms of the numbers they're looking at and where his body is compared to where it was in the past. So the tangible results right there really reflect on the numbers where they can measure things you know, directly with his strength, his recovery, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, there's sheets and stuff they go over all the time. I just kind of tell them, say, keep me informed in terms of where he is in the ramp-up process and, you know, where you think he is compared to, you know, last week, the week before, and things of that nature. Now, a couple of thoughts on Saquon Barkley. I don't know what his specific, you know, workload is every day. But what it does look like, to me at any rate, is that Barkley continues to work. There doesn't seem to be any cutback on the work he's being asked to do. And that's a positive because if Barkley was having any kind of setbacks, any kind of discomfort, they would dial him back and they wouldn't hesitate to dial him back. That has not been the case. At least it has not looked to be the case. So I think that in itself is a positive that we can take from this whole odyssey. Now, again, we don't know when Barkley's going to be back. There's no need for him to be back just yet. The Giants, I think, will probably look to activate him. I would say probably the last week of training camp would be my guess as to when we might see him activated. He does need to be activated to go on the 53-man roster. Uh, whether or not he plays in week one, that's still a ways off. But let's see you know, what the timing is with him being activated. Uh, no rush on that right now. So something to keep an eye on. And hopefully... Barkley continues to to make the progress and it looks like he is and just being patient is going to be the biggest challenge for him as he goes through these next several weeks at training camp. All right, Giant fans, we've got plenty more here on the Locked on Giants podcast. But first, let me tell you about Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is a healthy, low carb and low sugar and high protein treat that will satisfy your sweet tooth. Choose from nine amazing flavors, plus the occasional limited time offering available in nut and nut free varieties. 
Visit BuiltBar.com and get 15% off your first order with the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at BuiltBar.com for 15% off your first order. All right, Giant fans, you are back here with Patricia Trana here on the Locked On Giants podcast. So glad to have you with me. And in this final segment, just a few random thoughts here and there about what has transpired as training camp, some individual performances, some potential thinking ahead regarding the roster and that sort of stuff. And I want to start off with David Sills, who is the wide receiver. He's been here now. I think this is his third year with the Giants. He had a fantastic day today. In fact, the whole offense had a fantastic day on Tuesday. Um, Daniel Jones looked as sharp as I've, I think he's been all spring and summer. But let me stick with David Sills here for a moment. David Sills caught, I believe, three touchdown passes and just continues to find ways to get open. And the buzz on the sideline with the media is, boy, you know, it's going to be really hard to ignore David Sills when the roster has to be cut down. And I got to thinking that, okay, how did the Giants fit him on the roster? You know that the first receivers are going to be Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, and Tony. You figure John Ross might have a shot if he can perform on special teams. C.J. Board might have a shot if he continues to play well on special teams as he did last year in the role of a gunner. So where does that leave David Sills? Well, that's going to boil down to special teams. And if I remember correctly, Sills didn't do a whole lot with special teams before breaking his foot last year. I don't remember him doing a whole lot with specials. And if he's going to make this team, if he's going to edge somebody out of a roster spot, he's going to have to do it on special teams. Now, here's the other thing. The Giants are looking to diversify their receiver core, different skill sets, talents, and so forth. And Sills, to me, his skill set and, and intangibles most closely re- resemble those of a Kenny Galladay. Now, he's not on the same talent level as Kenny Galladay. Let me make that clear. That being said, Sills is a tall possession receiver, you know, uh, a guy who can beat beat you and win uh, the contested catches and that st- sort of thing. But there's no way Sills is beating out Galladay for a roster spot. So, what I think is going to happen with Sills if he continues to play as well as he's been practicing, I think practice squad is in his future. And if something, God forbid, happens to Kenny Galladay, to me, Sills would make the most logical uh, choice to replace Galladay if he has to miss any playing time. So, you know, again, it depends on special teams. That's going to be a factor for Sills. But I that's how I think that's going to play out some. Now, next, I want to talk about the offensive line and the offensive line depth in particular. And I know this is a question I got yesterday on the Twitter Tuesday program, but the more I think about it, you know, the theme of the spring and of the summer has been versatility. Head coach Joe Judge just liking versatility. The more you can do, the better chance you have of sticking on the roster if you are one of those potential bubble guys. So in thinking about Kenny Wiggins, who has been working primarily at left guard, 
while Shane Lemieux has been, you know, sitting out with it, with his uh, knee injury. I wonder if Wiggins is going to be one of the depth guys when the final roster is, is cut down. I think I mentioned on the program yesterday, in addition to the five starters, I could see the Giants keeping four depth guys. And I mentioned Nate Solder being one. He would be the swing tackle. Joe Looney, the, the interior uh, offensive lineman at, at both guards and center. And Wiggins, I think, can be the third one. And Wiggins is a guy who can play guard or tackle. So if you have a scenario, for example, where Nate Solder has to go in for either Andrew Thomas or Matt Parrott, now you don't have a backup tackle. So Wiggins is a guy, I think, who can fill that role if they need him to. So I could see him definitely sticking around on the roster. So far, so good with him uh, as far as what he's brought to the table. Now, one negative thing. Uh, I need to bring up, and this is really not going to be a surprise, I don't think, to anyone. Sam Beal, at cornerback, just had a rough practice Tuesday. He's had a rough, you know, spring and summer, to be honest with you, from what I recall. And I, I got to thinking about how, when he was initially drafted, there was so much optimism, so much hope that this guy could come in and maybe become a starter, given his skill set. and to see what has happened. And, you know, some of it's not his fault, obviously, you know, nobody comes in planning to get injured and require season ending surgery. Uh, COVID, I'm not going to flag him for that because that's definitely a personal choice. But the alleged incident where he ran into some legal issues allegedly due to gun possession, that's obviously something that I think, you know, if, if that proved to be true is something he could have handled. It just seems to me that this whole thing with Beal, just, you know, you talk about a wasted talent. And it's really tragic because the kid can play. His college tape suggested that he can play. But just the way his whole thing, you know, deteriorated, it's just, it's really unfortunate. And, you know, it's going to go down as a as a bust for, for Dave Gettleman's record. You know, I guess that happens, but oh my goodness, when you have a third round bust like that, ouch, that's that's a tough one to absorb, folks. But um, we'll see, you know, injuries could end up saving Beal or something, you know, out of the ordinary can end up saving him. But it's pretty clear that the Giants aren't ready to give up on him just yet because of the talent. And we'll see if he can make the most of the opportunity that he has before him. I'm not so sure that there's going to be room for him, but... Stranger things have happened. All right, Giant fans, that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. The Giants are back at practice Wednesday night. They have a late, actually, we will call it a late afternoon, early evening practice, closed to the public. But a week from Wednesday, of course, will be the Fan Fest. So the fans will get an opportunity to see a scrimmage. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, we will, of course, have all the breakdowns and continued storylines from training camp. And also coming up on the Lockdown Giants podcast, we're going to eventually move to YouTube in addition to doing the podcast here on iTunes and Spotify and Audacity and wherever you're getting your podcasts. So eventually the show is going to move to uh, or expand, I should say, to YouTube. 
And my hope is to be able to do some cool things with graphics, pictures, stats, and all kinds of cool things that um, I've been playing around with to enhance the listening experience. So that's coming probably, I'm going to try to start it next week, but it all depends on how quickly I can get up to speed. So just something to keep an eye out for. All right. So until tomorrow, thank you so much for tuning in to the Locked on Giants podcast. This is Patricia Trana, and I will talk to you again soon.